This episode, you guys, wow, it may be one of the most incredible interviews I've ever had the honor of doing. It's one of those conversations where you have to just sit and think for a while afterward. It impacts you that much. I am talking with Marnie Clark, a 54-year-old mom who is a former blogger and influencer in the sobriety world, actually. But just recently, she had to pivot and completely re-examine life and priorities after she was given a very surprising stage four cancer diagnosis. She's now on a mission to bring awareness to her type of cancer, the importance of good health and fitness, and this whole darn scary, difficult journey. I ask her some really tough questions. She shares some of the darkest moments of this journey, how she has felt supported the most by those around her, and we talk about what it means to be strong right now. We cried, we laughed, we talked about the goodness of God. Put this one on repeat, friend. You are going to love my friend Marnie. Hey friend, my name is Megan Dahlman. As a certified trainer and nutrition coach, I'm on a mission to change the conversation around fitness, nutrition, and taking care of ourselves as moms. If you're tired of restrictive fad diets and all or nothing workouts, in a culture that tries to sell you the lie that your value is tied to the number on the scale, then you're in the right place. I'm here to equip and encourage you to take simple steps towards the healthy life you want for yourself and the people you love. Welcome to Self-Care Simplified. Hey, Marnie. Well, welcome to the podcast. I am so honored and excited to have you with us today. This is going to be a really, really good conversation. I can just tell. Thank you for having me. I am very much looking forward to it. Well, our lives have intertwined in amazing ways, I feel, over the last few years, kind of within the realm of (coughs) fitness and training, but also in business, too. We've kind of like crossed paths in many ways. And and you have been a strong leader and businesswoman in multiple arenas over the years. Your business ventures have taken you from, you know, running events. I'm, re- I'm remembering um, dream dinners and an inspired yeah. you conference um, all the way to like starting a mocktail movement, right? Like completely <laughs> the, na- the national mocktail day. I mean, am I missing anything here that? Well, those are just the ones that you see, but my husband and I have had a construction company that we've owned and operated for 32 years. So that's kind of my day job. Yeah. Those were other things that I was doing to kind of fulfill some needs that I had um, because I just don't get a lot of joy or fulfillment out of accounting. (laughs) So I don't don't know if anybody does, (laughs) there are the few that do, and we need them. (laughs) Not me. So anyhow, yes, I've I've done a lot of things in the last few years. Well, I I feel like as such a strong leader and woman in your community, it was a complete and utter shock to all of us who know you to hear about your story this last year. Um, Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure it was. Well, can you can you break down this story for us and maybe just describe the chain of events that led ultimately to your cancer diagnosis? I will preface the story saying that um, I think that God was probably preparing me for this diagnosis um, Mm -hmm. in some way. Uh, A couple of years ago, uh, well, you and I worked together for a long time, you Mm -hmm. uh, training me, but a couple of years ago, I started having some digestive issues that were, I mean, they were just 
now that I look when, during the time they were, you know, obviously life consuming, but now that I look back, I think, oh gosh, um, they changed my life in the fact that I just couldn't get things under control. Um, mm. And it was affecting um, choices I made about where I went or who um, there's always had to be a bathroom nearby. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it was getting really out of control. So um, I quit my mocktails. Um, mm-hmm. I quit the blog. I it literally in a day, I woke up that morning and I felt like I was just kind of being called to um, step away. And I did. And for the next two years, I really focused on my health, my mental health, my um fitness. I worked out with a personal trainer for um, three times a week for mm-hmm. over a year. I tried to clean up my diet. Um, and eventually the digestive issues went away, which was great. And then of course the, you know, the pandemic hit and I was at right. home a lot with the kids and all that too. So um, it was an interesting couple of years. And then just this October of 2021. So just a few months ago, actually, Um, I woke up one morning and I just, my leg felt, my right leg felt weird. And Mm -hmm. those are, that's really the only way I can describe it. It just felt funny. I could still walk. I could still go throughout my day and do whatever I needed to do, but it just kind of felt weird. And then as the week, that was like on a Tuesday. And then as the week progressed, each day would get a little more weird and a little more weird. And Mm -hmm. by the time I woke up on Saturday morning, I couldn't use my right leg. I could barely walk. So I was walking with a cane. Um, so that following Monday, I went to my primary care doctor um, who thought it was probably a spinal issue, like a mm-hmm. spinal de- uh, compression, which I never really bought into because I was very strong and very right. fit. I'd never, I'd never had a back pain my entire life, and I don't participate in activities that would injure my back. It just, it didn't make sense, but mm-hmm. what else was there to think it was? Um, right. So... Um, we spent a month getting MRIs and CT scans. Um, I ended up, it's just a process and nothing happens quickly. Um, so I spent a month doing that. The, uh, I ended up at an orthopedic doctor in Seattle, um, who ended up doing a, uh, upper thoracic scan because I couldn't, they actually did a lower spine scan and said, your spine looks great. You have a spine that's actually younger looking than what you are. That's awesome. So yay for, yay <laughs> yay for, for that exercise. There you go. Um, so they did an upper thoracic scan and they called me that afternoon. So there's a spot on your lung, um, mm-hmm. which actually turned out to be a mass. It was not a spot, <laughs> um, but that just triggered a whole change of events. Um, so they assumed that it had metastasized to my brain. I had a brain scan um, on a Friday and Friday night I was admitted to uh, UW hospital. Um, and then the following Tuesday I had brain surgery. So the cancer had metastasized to my brain. Um, I had a large tumor. I actually had multiple tumors. I had 15 tumors in my brain. Um, 13 were scattered throughout my brain. So they're just, they're called lesions or spots, basically one, one was kind of a medium sized tumor. And then one was the large tumor. And, um, that one was attached to my motor complex for my right side. So that's why I had paralysis in my leg and the paralysis started to move up to my arm as well. Mm -hmm. Um, when they did the craniotomy, they, it was too attached to the complex if they were afraid that if they removed it, it would cause permanent damage. So they were able to drain it. It was um, filled with fluid. They drained it, took out what they could. 
and then called it a day. Um, so I spent a week in the hospital. And then oddly enough, um, you know, as we've discussed, I don't, I don't know anybody. Previously, I didn't know anybody with cancer. Right. My family doesn't have cancer. We just, so I don't have experience with this. But when you think of cancer, you have, you know, you think of chemo and needles mm-hmm. and IVs and people being sick and losing your hair and all those things. And um, they pretty much prescribed me a pill. I said, here oh. you go, take this pill. Um, that's all I do. I take a pill every day. It's targeted therapy. It's not okay. chemo. Um, but in the short time that I've been taking it, so it's been since November, um, it's been a few months, the, sh- the 13 very small lesions in my brain have disappeared. And wow. then the other two have shrunk by half. And my lung mass has shrunk by about half. So um, it's working. <laughs> it is working. Um, it's it's the great thing about it. So when you have chemo, it attacks um, all of your cells, your good cells and your cancer cells. Sure. The targeted therapy um, targets just the cancer cells. They have to determine the mutation of your cancer, what specific okay. um, DNA and genealogy it has. So um, they know what medicine to prescribe for you, but it just attacks the cancer cells. So that's so very does cool. it the have, side effects are minimal. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Does it have like not the same side effects as like full-blown chemo does? Well, and it depends on the person. Um, I'm learning a lot. It's just very different for everybody. Some people don't tolerate it well at all. Um, I have been very fortunate. I've had very minimal side effects to date. Um, I do understand that they can come and go. Um, so, you know, I won't be surprised if I end up with side, but the side effects that usually come with it are things like fatigue, um, severe skin. I did have like sores in my nose and in my mouth for a little while, but I mean, there's no, for me, there's no nausea. There's really nothing else. So the medicine, um, unfortunately the cancer is smart. So (laughs) at some point the cancer will figure out a way around the medicine medication, Mm. Um, so we do scans every three months and then, you know, if it, if it starts progressing again, then we go to plan B. So, but a lung cancer diagnosis today is very different than it was even five years ago. So in what ways, um, why, how is that so different? The medications are um, amazing. They have so many new targeted therapies now that are doing what my medication is doing where used to be the first line of offense was chemo or um, removal of your lung, um, cut out the tumor, just so invasive and so hard on your body. So now with these therapies, um, it's a little easier. Um, They still have a long ways to go, obviously. So I think they didn't even, they didn't even operate on your lung, did they? Mm-mm. No, just no. the brain tumor. In fact, it was interesting. The lung kind of wasn't even really the concern. The brain tumor was obviously yeah. the biggest concern, but they sure. were like, they seemed they seemed to be confident that the medication was going to take care of the tumor in the lung, and it did. So wow. it's, it's astounding. <laughs> That's so grateful it's... for all those research and development scientists. That oh are my gosh, committing their lives to this because wow, they're saving lives. Yeah. Well, do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned multiple times that you've been so fit, so healthy. I mean, the, the MRIs like prove that sometimes a lot of us, we can't (laughs) peel back the layers and really see like the underneath the surface results of like, okay, all these years spent training and prioritizing my fitness, like 
all I see is what I see in the mirror, but be able, being able to like peel back the layers and see like, wow, I actually do have a really young and healthy back. That's pretty cool. But do you feel like being someone that was already, already so healthy and so in tune with your body, did it help you notice those physical changes a little bit sooner? For sure. I think you have to be I mean, obviously by day three or day four of my leg being weird, I think anybody probably would have noticed that. But the first day when it just felt funny, um, I think you definitely have to be in tune with your body. Mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody would have thought twice about it. Um, The fact that I ended up with lung cancer is interesting because I've never, I mean, I think I tried smoking when I was 14. Don't tell me, (laughs) but um, I've never smoked. So that, or been around um, smokers. It's not like you're sitting in a house full of smokers no, and you're getting secondhand not smoke. Even, yeah, not even. So that was interesting, but um, I've had a cough for mm. quite, quite a long time. Um, and my dad has a chronic cough and they can't really diagnose anything. My dad's had it for like 17 years and they haven't been able to figure out what it is. So I think in my mind, I just assumed maybe it just... I, you know, I chalked it up to my body doesn't like coffee mm-hmm. or, you know, food intolerances because it would kind of go away and then it would come back. And um, my primary care told me because she would prescribe a like an Advair inhaler for me and it would help. And then she, finally, this last time in August, when I, my inhaler ran out, she said, you really need to go see a pulmonologist. And I didn't because I'm like, what are they going to tell me? You have asthma. You know, I just, I didn't go. You never thought in um, mind that they would potentially tell you you had lung cancer. Not even, not even a thought in my head. Uh, but, you know, when I look back and I think if I would have gone in August, what difference would it have made? I don't really know. Right. Um, but my point being is, you know, I was aware of the cough and I was trying to pay attention to things that made it better or worse. Um, I just, the body awareness, I think is so important. Um, Mm -hmm. just because of, you know, heart disease is so prevalent in women. There's just so many things that we kind of just chalk up to indigestion or asthma or whatever. And, um, I think, you know, when you, when you know, something's not right, you know, something's not right. Well, I think unfortunately as women, especially like high achievers, you know, like we all are a little bit guilty of trying to push through pain, you know, push through difficulty, sweep it under the rug. And I, you know, if I could preach anything from a mountaintop, it's like, stop, slow down, take care of your body and pay attention. Like don't push through something that's not right. Yes. So man, that's a we all need to hear that. Well, I know that now you're kind of in this like recovery mode mm-hmm. in a way, and you're trying to figure out how to use that leg again, because we had yeah. to bring it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what are the things that you're doing now to help heal your body? The, the medicine is going to work on the inside, but there's a lot of other stuff that's going on too. Yeah. Um, I had, um, some intensive physical therapy and a little bit of occupational therapy to start because like, I couldn't write, um, I couldn't get a fork to my mouth. I couldn't, Mm. um, walk. Um, so, but the progress was pretty quick and which was actually kind of fun. Um, I, there were definite moments of frustration, but each week I would go to physical therapy and I could do something that I couldn't do last week. 
Yeah. And they told me that the first six to eight weeks would be the most progress. And then the recovery from brain cert from my, the brain surgery that I had is a year to a year and a half. Wow. And I'm four months, I'm four months into this. Um, <laughs> so they said, you'll see the first, you know, the most progress up front, and then you'll continue to make progress, but it'll be a little slower. And that has yeah, been true. That's great. But it's um, physical therapy once a week. I work out with a personal trainer twice a week who happens to be my daughter, which is kind of a blessing that That's has cool. come as well. Um, and then food where we've cut meat, uh, sugar, dairy out of our diet about 80%. So okay. I always remember when you and when I worked with you, you, mm-hmm. it was so helpful. You had the little calendar and you're like, okay, you know, you eat your good meals, mark off your good meals, the, the 80% of the time, and then give yourself the 20% to have your ice mm-hmm. cream or whatever it is. And yeah, I still believe moderation is key. Yeah. Um, so just trying to adjust our lifestyle a little bit. The hardest part for me has been rest. Mm. Um, it was easy up front, obviously, because I was tired all the time, but now I feel pretty good. Sure. And so, um, you know, I'm, I took early retirement from our company because I knew this was going to be my full-time job. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to fill those hours with, you know, paying bills or seeing friends or whatever, and I'll feel really good. And then by about the third or fourth day, like I'll get lost in the grocery store and, Mm. um, so the doctors have validated and confirmed that you have to rest. If you have a very busy day, then the next day you have to not have a busy day. Yeah. Um, and that's just been hard because like you said, we are just trained to hustle and push through. And so I'm learning. Well, it's a different type of, you know, the balance and moderation that you just mentioned with eating and stuff. It's just like knowing to always buffer higher intensity days with a lower intensity day. And even for those of us that are, you know, operating in a pretty healthy state, that is still so important for us. Like good training programs are not a hundred percent every day. So the best training programs, you go hard one day and you buffer that with a pretty light day the next day, but you're right. It is so hard in our minds. We think like, if I do more, I'm going to be able to speed this process up. And go a little faster. (laughs) My physical therapist confirmed to me yesterday um, that I have to rest. He said Mm -hmm. speeding because I was feeling bad, like I was on vacation for a week and then I didn't work out for a week and I didn't see him. And he said, Marty, you I don't I don't want you working out more than three times a week. It's not helpful for you at this point in time. Your body, your body has to rest. Your brain has to rest. And I just think that's um, probably true for most people is you just can't, it's not sustainable any, anyhow, you know, to commit to right. six or seven days a week of something. So, um, and it's learning how to give yourself grace too. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think even inside of the moments of, of effort, you know, you posted a picture not long ago of in the middle of your workout, like feeling pretty strong in that workout, but then kind of what it left you feeling like on the sideline, like just zapped. And so I'm sure that that is a big mental hurdle that you're having to figure out too. The mental hurdle has been hard because I knew what I could do before. Mm. And so when I go to the gym and I can't do those things, um, that's mentally hard for me. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, it's just all trying to figure out how to get through it. And, you know, I'll never, what do they say? I'll never regret a workout. And I 
always work out and I feel better when yeah. I'm done, but it is very frustrating. <laughs> I won't lie. I, I can just imagine. And I mean, that's that comparison game, right? We think back about the body that we used to have and we do this as, yeah. you know, early postpartum moms We're like, Oh, my body yeah. was so much better put together before I had kids. And now I've got wrinkles and stretch marks and, you know, baby weight or whatever. And we, we have to go through this grieving process of a body that we once knew yeah. and we're familiar with. And it feels like the body you're relearning a new body. I you're, am. you're coming into a relationship with a new body. That's like brand new to you. Mm -hmm. And you're, that has got to be tricky. Well, and I think we forget, like we forget the pain of childbirth, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I remember before I got my diagnosis and I could hardly walk. I mean, I was barely able to drive. I was sitting in a target parking lot Yeah. and I was watching people walk in and out of the store. And I was like, they have no idea how, fortunate they are. I mean, they can just get out of their car and walk into the store and walk back and not think twice about it. Yep. And now I can, I can do that. I mean, I still am not, I'm probably 80% right now. I'm still not back to hundred percent, but it's in my head every day, but I've already forgotten yeah. <laughs> what that was like. Sure. So sometimes it's just trying to find that peace of mind with where you are now um, and not beating myself up for not being further along than I mm -hmm. should be. And that's where the doctors and my family have been great too, because they're like, look, <laughs> you are four months into this. You're crazy. If you think that you should be, you know, out running a 5k. Oh yeah. So. Well, this is a pretty big, big question, but what do you feel like being strong means for you right now in this moment, you know, not compared to who you were before, but what it means for you today? It means asking for help, which mm. I have never been good at ever. Um, I've never been good at asking for help and I've never been good at asking for what I need. Um, I will just roll along with whatever anybody needs or wants and then not take care of myself in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, and I have been forced to, in many ways, ask for what I need. That has been very hard. <laughs> it sounds humbling. <laughs> yeah really, yep. really humbling. And I'm sure this entire process has had a lot of humbling moments, but also like scary moments too. I feel like, you know, the big thing is hearing the big C word, you know, hearing that word cancer, mm -hmm. cancer and fear seem to go hand in hand. Like they're yeah. just together, especially for someone that isn't anticipating it. You know, nobody in your family had cancer. Like it wasn't like on your radar right. as like, I need to be aware but to just be handed this diagnosis, that's so scary. I can only imagine, but throughout this process, what has fear looked like for you? Has it been evolving? Yeah, um, it has definitely evolved. Um, once I, once they determined I had a brain tumor, things happened really fast. Yeah. I literally had the brain scan that morning and I was at UW that night. So um, we didn't have a lot of time to really process what was happening, um, which was good in some mm -hmm. regard. Um, we had a lot of scary moments, a lot of tears, um, but everything was just still so unknown um, that it was right. hard to even understand where we were headed. After the surgery, um, when I got home, the 
the reality of what had happened was kind of set in. Um, that was hard for my family and for me too. That was just, I mean, I, I don't know that I can really put into words the fear. Uh, you, it, it's so deep um, and it, it just lingers. Um, it's hard to, my husband and I both just tried really hard to go about our day because the household just both my adult girls moved home and then we have a 16 year old so we had all the kids at home mm-hmm. and we just knew that the mood around the house was terrible we didn't try and sugarcoat anything by right. any means but right. we you just can't live in that kind of environment for very long so once we got back to work or he got back to work and i was you could see progress i was getting better Mm-hmm. Um, things kind of lightened up a little bit, but right now the fear I'm able to kind of keep it at bay, um, yeah. is the best way to describe it because sure. it's still there and, and it will rear its head every now and then. And I have to pray a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I turn the music up really loud mm-hmm. <laughs> to try and distract myself. I, I mean, I will just try anything to distract my brain um and it just doesn't last as long as it used to the Mm -hmm. hard parts for me are i just told my husband last night um talking about the future just simple Mm -hmm. things like my son will go to college in two years Mm -hmm. and you know those types of conversations are hard for me um i was not given a prognosis i probably would have gotten one but i told him i didn't really want one i don't need, need to know the statistics um but I don't know what the next two, one, two years, 10 years looks like for me or my family. So I have to really try and stay in the moment and yeah. focus on what I can control. And um, I, I mean, I can, I can think ahead of time for maybe a month or two, but like, I sure. can't even really think about this summer right now. So yeah. um, I tried um, therapy mm-hmm. and it was somewhat helpful, but not really for me. Um, I connected with a mentor through, through an organization called Longevity. And their focus obviously is lung cancer. So they pair you with a mentor that is has similar, has your exact diagnosis. Okay. And sim- like she, she's the same age as me, same, same kind of story. So wow. that's, that's actually been very helpful. And coming from the recovery world, you know, I was in AA, I was sober for over, I am sober, have been for many, many years, but mm-hmm. it's kind of that group. That therapy. style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to work for me. It's really nice to be able to talk to somebody that can understand because some of the things that go through your head are just crazy <laughs> and dark. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure it has like, in many ways, like accelerated and deepened what your relationship with God looks like it has um prior to this i didn't have much of a relationship with god um and it it, i was very curious and it was i was starting to maybe head in that direction um but it was really what got me through the really hard times um and it's continuing to i um meet with two of my good friends once a week for a bible study I meet with another group of friends on Friday mornings for a prayer group and then a walk. And um, those women prayed for me 
while I was, you know, in the depths of this. And, and I think that's really one of the things that helped get me through all this. So um, it's new to me. So I'm, there's just habits of um, that I'm trying to relearn, not trying to rely on myself so much, like when fear pops up. Um, But I feel like this this is so big Mm -hmm. that I can't, I don't have anywhere else to to go with it. Yeah. I can't I can't give it to my family to sh- you yeah. know I want to share some of this with them. I it's just so big that there's nothing else that I feel like can um can take it. Well, I know God can. <laughs> he can he can hold it all in his hands, but I feel like it goes back to what you said being strong looks like for you right now and that's asking for help. Mm-hmm. You know, and so much of asking for help is surrendering our own ability to help ourselves and try to yeah. pull ourselves up out of a hole, try to pull, you know, try to muster up our own courage and bravery and just asking for help from friends or from God himself is just this sense of right. admitting that I don't, I don't, I don't have it in me yeah. to do this. Yep. Yeah. And that's something I ask for every day. <laughs> Every we, day. All should, we all should and be, everybody does. I know, I know we, yeah. we all should be regardless of our scenario. Well, sometimes I feel like when we discover that someone we loves receives some sort of a big med- medical diagnosis like this, and it's this like flurry of activity and it's scary and it, there's a lot yeah. of fear involved, but I feel like on the outside looking in, often we can feel like paralyzed. Like we don't really know what to do or how to support them best and having been on the inside and gone through it, what has, what are some of the best ways that your friends and family have been supporting you through this process? Oh gosh. I would say probably, um, the thing that meant so much to me and helped me so much was people just reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I put that out there on social media too. I was like, you know, if I text you and just ask you like, what'd you do this weekend? I, I, I just, I need a distraction. Right. Um, and so people were just, people were so kind messaging me so often checking on me, just even just a simple, I just want to let you know, I was thinking about you. Um, I have a couple people that send me cards like every other week, I'll get a card in the mail. Sweet. Um, and that, that means a lot to me. Um, the prayers that were sent on my behalf, was so comforting for me. Um, actually, that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not. I did not expect to feel the way I did about all the prayers that were sent. I feel like I could literally feel them working. It was such a comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of gifts, a lot of pajamas. <laughs> Those were all lovely and wonderful. And I, I think that people just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and I had people message me and say, I, I feel so helpless. I don't yeah. know what to do. Can I bring you food? Can, you know, and, um, honestly, I, for me personally, it was just knowing that they were thinking about me is what helped me a lot. I love hearing that because sometimes it, that can feel so trite saying to someone like, well, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. And even on the end, like on the giving end, like if I say that to someone, like, I mean it, like, I know I will be praying for you, but I always like, feel like they're going to receive that. Like it's so trite. And so to hear from your perspective, like you really felt it, you felt those prayers, you felt that people were thinking of you 
And, you know, the gifts were great, but it was, it was the other things that we can sometimes feel are too trite. And so maybe because we feel like it's not enough, we don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Well, and I know, I know that too, where you're like, oh gosh, I'll be thinking about you. And then, but are you really, or, you know, it's a nice thing to say. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know that I ever felt that way about anybody saying, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you. And, um, I will say too, that, you know, I have three kids and a Mm. amazing husband and knowing, um, knowing that everybody stepped up to take care of them was really helpful for me. Um, my kids have, um, jobs, full-time jobs, you know, my 16 year old is in school and he's got a great friend group. I had, you know, his, their parents were messaging me, you know, what can we do for Rory? Um, everybody in our office, just my husband was home with me so much, you know, we have 35 employees and he had to be home with me or taking me to Seattle to the doctor or in the hospital with me for a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and his phone barely rang. I mean, he, they all just stepped up and did what they needed to do. And um, uh, that I appreciate so much because I think sometimes the family gets left behind a little bit. Yeah. Um, that well, was I'm really sure important. like as a mom, you feel like you're the one that's orchestrating yeah. everybody's lives in a certain way. And so that's probably a piece of the large fear is like when I'm out of commission, is everybody else going to fall apart? Yeah. And emotionally, sure. But like to know that like they, they, they didn't, everybody was being taken care of and you could focus on what you needed to focus on. Someone else was stepping in to help orchestrate those things. Yep. Well, how would you inspire and encourage someone that might be listening right now that is at the very beginning of her own (laughs) big medical diagnosis or right on the precipice of something that might be really scary. What is something you want to say to her? That's a tough one. Um, I, I just think it's so it's different for everybody, obviously, but it's so important to know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk about that so much, you know, um, we live in such a self-help heavy world. Sure. Um, but I feel like until you're put into these trials or crisis situations, that's when you really learn, um, about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I guess I would just pay attention to your body, pay attention to your mental health and ask for help when you need it is, um, was my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I got my diagnosis, everybody said, don't Google, get off Google. But, and I, and I know why, I mean, there's some definitely, definitely scary things out there, but I felt like it was important to educate myself. And I would think that would be true, whether you have a cancer diagnosis or Mm -hmm. ADD or a broken ankle. I mean, I just think, um, and with all the time I've spent in doctor's offices in the last few months, you can't always rely on um, doctors to um, be accurate or correct. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I think that um, educating yourself is really important on whatever situation you're dealing with. Sure. Um, and, you know, one of the moments I had it was early on um, after my surgery and um, I, I had a lot of tr- trouble sleeping for a long mm-hmm. time. And so I would listen to podcasts in the middle of the night and it would help me fall asleep. 
and I was listening to a podcast. Somebody was interviewing, I think her name is Jamie Lynn Kerna. She was the founder of It Cosmetics. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was her audio book I was listening to. And I fell asleep, woke up in the middle of the night to her saying in my ear, when things got really rough, I would just give it to God. And I would just keep telling myself, give it to God, give it to God. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) is God talking to me? (laughs) Who's talking to me? Um, But that has just been, that's kind of my go-to now because I, a lot of things, I just don't even know what else I, you know, I got to throw my hands up. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to do with this. So I got to give it to somebody else. Well, what do you feel like is the biggest thing that has surprised yourself about you the most this last year? Um, I don't know. That's a really hard question. Um, I've had, you know, I don't consider myself a creative person at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always wanted to explore that. Um, And so I have all kinds of painting sets and drawing sets and things that I haven't used. Um, What I'm really enjoying is writing. And I think I loved that when I was young. I remember wanting to be a journalist. Hmm. And so now I'm loving it again. And that that surprised me, I think. Um, that's been really fun. I've always considered myself, I guess I don't want to use the word strong, but I can rise to the, the occasion. We've yeah. been through some traumatic events with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I knew I could do this. Um, so I guess I wasn't really surprised by much there. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> I think sometimes we all need to maybe reflect on that each year. It's like, what, what was it about this year that like revealed something about me that I wasn't, yeah. wasn't certain about. So I, I love that it, you, it uncovered a passion that had been mm-hmm. s- sitting there for years and years. And I wonder if, without the cancer, without having to pull back and slow down on life and do less, if you ever would have discovered that. So it's maybe just a tiny blessing. (laughs) There have been many blessings, many, many blessings. And, you know, back to your question about inspiring and encouraging, I think Mm -hmm. that is so key because there are some really dark moments. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a friend who just broke her ankle and it literally shattered her foot. And gosh, I mean, there's just dark moments when we're Mm -hmm. used to living our life a certain way. And now you are being forced to live your life differently. It's hard. And so there are blessings, I promise, (laughs) but we have to look for them. And some of them make themselves very obvious, um, but some you you have to look for. And and I have been so fortunate. There have been so many blessings that have come from this. I would love to give the cancer back to wherever it came from. Oh, sure. yeah. Since <laughs> that's not going to happen, I am happy to accept the blessings that are coming my way. <laughs> well, I got to say that one of the blessings is seeing this amazing hairstyle you've got now. How uh, cool, right? <laughs> Would you, know you ever what? have I, the guts to shave it and have it like a pixie cut? No, never. In fact, I just had this conversation yesterday because somebody else had complimented me on my hair. And 
my hair was so much of who I was because oh, it was yeah. kind of red. It was a very unique color. Oh, yeah. For those that long. didn't know you before, Marnie, like your hair like entered the room before you. Like, <laughs> gorgeous, auburn, red, thick, beautiful hair. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> so, I always wanted short hair. I, I mean, always. And I just couldn't do it. And then during the pandemic, I wanted to go gray because I was getting tired of, you know, the hair salon. And oh, sure. I didn't do that either. Um, so losing my hair, they shaved my head for surgery. surgery. Yeah. That makes and sense. And I was not phased in the least. <laughs> like I was kind of excited about it. That's and awesome. now I don't know that I will go back. There is such freedom in this hairstyle. I just can't even tell you no hour and a half salon appointments, no, you know, 45 minutes blow drying and curling. I mean, five minutes and I'm out the door. <laughs> I love it. I am a little bit jealous. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that but and I your, wouldn't have done it. No, you no. So that's another blessing. No, I, and your mm-hmm. uh rediscovery of um athleisure, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with early retirement too, I had my whole wardrobe had to change. It's it's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun experimenting with this new person that I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's just hair, but clothes look different on me now. Um, I feel like a different person. Um, so that's been kind of fun. I'm enjoying that. Well, maybe that's one of those surprises <laughs> that we were talking about. That's so cool. Yep. Well, this conversation has been a huge blessing to us listening and to me personally. So I just, I'm so honored that you're here. And if anybody wants to follow along with your journey, you post on Instagram frequently, just what the day looks like, what your clothes, yeah. what your outfit looks like. I love it. Um, where can people find you on Instagram? So on Instagram, I'm Marnie Ray C. Okay. Um, and then my blog is just Marnie Got it. We will link yeah. those in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Anything else that yeah. you wanted to No, I'm so happy to be here and I really appreciate you letting me share the story. I'm eager to get word out there that, um, mm. all you need to get lung cancer is lungs. Yep. And, um, I, it's very uh, kind of getting on my soapbox, um, in your, in your path is that the fitness is really about more than, you know, how mm-hmm. you're looking in your genes. It's really, uh, eventually we're all going to have these moments in life mm-hmm. where you're going to be challenged and it's so important, um, that you're strong and healthy. Amen. It's a good note to finish on. Well, thank you so much, Marnie. I so appreciate you you being here. We'll have to do this again soon. Anytime. Thank you. Wow. Right. She was absolutely amazing. And I feel like this conversation is one that is worth listening to a couple of times. And I have a feeling you probably have a mom friend or two that would really be blessed by this interview as well. Think about it. One of your friends probably tagged you in a post or shared an episode of the show with you. And that's how you're now listening to this podcast and reaping the benefits of it week after week. I think it's your turn to pass that on too. So if there's nothing else you do this week, at least go share it with a friend. All you have to do is just click the share icon in your listening platform and pass it along. Super simple. And hey, make sure you come back next week for some more self-care simplified. Until then, be strong.